one comes to the Father but through Him. And this is why the gospel is the good news. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. Therefore, it no longer has any power over you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're believing for anything else from God, you're believing for small stuff. Get motivated, JP inspired by inspiration for today. All right, let's pray together. I'm going to ask you to repeat off me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you'd minister to my heart. May your word be revealed to me today in a way that I can understand it, so that I can speak it and do it and see it change my life. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The last few weeks we've been looking at the whole battle of forgiveness. And um, the forgiveness battle is not just about what's happened to you. The forgiveness battle is not just about what's been done to you. What I want you to understand, and it's not a new thing either, but the days that we're living in are evil. And when the apostles were writing the, the epistles, the letters, in the New Testament, the days were evil. And the, 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 the question is, how do you win in life when times are evil? Because there are many things that we can see today where times are evil. Many things where people thought the world was good, those illusions have been shattered since 2020. <clears throat> and that's why I believe in the long run, 2020 has been a huge gift to the body of Christ. Because the illusions that you have in terms of what you can get from the world, for many people, has been broken. Just as last week, there's been terrible turmoil <clears throat> in, in world markets. Things going up and down. People don't know what's going on. People all making predictions. And uh, right now, the predictions that have been made by different economists of different persuasions are all pretty dismal. So when you're living in a world like that, we now start to experience maybe just over 100 years ago in World War I, or when the original flu pandemic hit, or World War II, or times like that, maybe the American Civil War, maybe the Anglo-Boer War in South Africa, maybe the wars that have taken place in South Africa between different tribes, all of these sorts of things that have gone on. We begin to get a picture what does it mean to be a believer in times like that? And I really want you to just sit and take note because, um, you know, at the, at the end of the day, it's when times get tough that your faith becomes real to people around you. And so you can get all worried about the times or you can realize this is an opportunity for you to begin to show what is it like for someone who really has faith in tough times. Winning in life when times are evil is a mark of a true Christian. Now, looking at that, you also have to realize that your life is all about your heart. And I'm not talking about your physical. Obviously, in the physical, 
if your physical heart stops, then what happens is that you die. It's over. But I want you to realize that spiritually you have a heart as well. And that heart determines everything. And that's why the Bible declares in Proverbs 4 verse 23, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And in Psalm 57 verse 6 and 7, this is what the psalmist is saying. They have prepared a net for my steps. People are trapping me. People are out to get me. People are nailing me. They have prepared a net for my steps. If they have prepared a net for my steps, you know, you can imagine you're running along the ground and they've got this net on the ground and as you step onto the net, they lift it up and the net becomes a bag holding you in it. <clears throat> this is what's been planned for me. That I'll be in this net hanging from a tree somewhere, not able to go anywhere. They've prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. I'm depressed. I'm downhearted. I'm downcast. Everyone's against me. They have dug a pit before me. Into the midst of it, they themselves have fallen. And now we begin to see he's not like one of us that needs to go on to antidepressant medic medication. No, no, he says they have dug a pit for me. Into the midst of it, they themselves have fallen. So all of a sudden we realize that he's not taking this line down. And he's saying, they've dug a pit for me, but they themselves have fallen into the pit that they dug, they dug for me. I don't know if you realize, but God says, you know, if the enemy uses people to dig a pit for you, they themselves will fall into the very pit that they dug. And then he says, my heart is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I'm not going to wilt. I'm not going to fail. I'm not a fair weather Christian. I'm a Christian that comes when it's flooding. Come on, give yourselves a big round of applause. You're in church today. I didn't expect we were hardly going to have anyone here today. Amen. Because South Africans melt when it rains. Amen. And look at all of you. You know, they're complaining about, this is going to do the sermon we're going to say now. They're complaining about global warming in Europe. They're saying it's 10 degrees more than it normally is at this time. All right? And I saw last night that Saviour was playing France in the rugby. And I'm glad I didn't watch it because we lost. You know what I'm saying? But I know it was, it was 15 degrees Celsius in France in November. We were less than that. It was colder in South Africa. This is our summer. It's supposed to be sunny side everywhere. It's so hot. You know what I'm saying? And yesterday, you know, I drove a couple of times in my car. The temperature never seemed to get above 13, 14 degrees. And the same on Friday. Where's the global warming when you need it? Ask the person next to you. Where's, I mean, look at everyone here in Jersey. There, there's Nikki. He's got a scarf on and everything. You know what I'm saying? Where's the global warming when you need it? You know what I'm saying? But, but even, even if we've got freezing conditions when it's supposed to be global warming, my heart is steadfast. Oh God, my heart, in other words, he, 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 he says it again. Oh God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. All right, we, he's talking about being a person. I've got all these enemies coming against me, all these pressures of life, all these things are coming against me. I'm downcast, I'm downhearted. People are trying to trap me. 
Earlier on, he talks about lions are chasing after me. Everything's going wrong. But my heart is steadfast. Oh God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and I will give praise. Oh God, my heart is steadfast. No matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through, my heart is steadfast. I will give you praise. And what I want you to realize, that when God is your Lord, you serve people. And when God is your Lord and you serve people, you know what God does for you? You always have time. You never feel like you don't have enough time. And so I want to encourage you today, if you feel you don't have enough time, it's time that you start living a life of faith. Start doing what the Lord called you to do. Start living the way the Lord called you to live. Are you praying in the morning? Do you read your Bible every day? Are you testing every decision in life that you make against what you read in the Word? Let me tell you something. Many people have been able to get away with preaching to fair-weather Christians for a long period of time because times have been good. But this week, in the devotional that I'm following, we've been going through Hebrews 11. I mean, there people were following the promises of God, and the next thing they got sawn in half. What is your faith going to do if someone wants to saw you in half because of your faith? And it's very clear about what faith really is. Faith believes for today. Faith believes God is here right now. Faith is not talking about some, some day beyond by and by. Faith is about now. The Lord is going to come through. I'm standing on the word of the Lord. I'm standing on the promises of God. I'm standing no matter what things look like because that's when I start giving room for the Lord to do something incredible, to come by His, His divine presence. Now, I want to say to you, we're living in an evil world. And sometimes, you know, if you're watching, maybe it's a sports team, two sports teams, you know, Chiefs and Pirates. Chiefs lost, and then Pirates got thrashed. And the Pirates supporters said, ah, I heard from Spoo this morning, ah, at least we didn't lose to Chiefs. You got thrashed. I mean, who cares about chiefs? Sundowns are killing you. They're wiping the floor with you. They made you look like, I don't know what. All right? I mean, at the end of the day, whether you're looking at battles like that, or you're looking at other battles that are taking place in the world, I want you to think about how people think, and how people try and just speak things okay when they're not. You know, especially when people are arrogant. They try and twist everything into a victory, and you know when someone's twisting a defeat into a victory. I'll give an example. I'm hearing people telling me in America that the Republicans won the election. If you know anything about those elections, I don't see the victory. I see that they lost. they flipping lost. Do you understand? Now they're trying to make, uh, and I'm looking, <laughs> yokes lost. And I want you to, 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 to and I wanted to mention this, before we get into a story here, I've watched those and they said, oh, the Republicans are going to win huge. And I'm watching. They're going to win huge. And then, and then the Republicans are losing. And no, no, we're still going to win huge. 
and then they're losing some more. No, no, there's these other ballots, and then they, 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 they're losing, and they're losing, and they're losing. And, and here's what I want you to realize. If you're living for the promises of the world, you're living a life filled with false promises. If you're living and your hope is in the world, your hope is wishful thinking. Really, your hope is wishful thinking. All right? I've never ever supported the main party since 1994 in South Africa, and the biggest reason why has been the issue of abortion. Any of them. I remember once upon a time, many black people used to think that I would criticize the ANC because I'm a DA supporter. I'm an even bigger critic of the DA. So I'm used to losing elections. I'm used to voting for people who get 1% of the vote. Uh, they grew from 1% to 1.1%. Yeah! What does that mean? What does that mean? They had like four seats in parliament, now they've got four and a half out of 400 members. What does that mean? I, I learned how to deal with being a loser in the political field. Because I'm a loser in the political field doesn't mean I'm a loser in God's scheme of things. Because I've seen God do incredible things in this nation, even though politically I'm a loser every single time. ACDP, yay! 0.6% of the vote. 0.6%. Three seats in Parliament. Ten minutes in a five and a half hour debate. Ten minutes. And then I think about those who voted and those didn't even get in. What I want you to realize, we're living in a kingdom that is not of, the, of this world. If you're in the kingdom of God, you're living in a kingdom that is in the spiritual realm. It is not in this world. And what is this kingdom like in Mark chapter 10, verse 46 to 52? And this is Jesus now. Now remember, Jesus' disciples are going with him, and they're following him. And, and, and they're thinking, this is a long-awaited Messiah. He's going to take over. He's going to kick Caesar off the throne. And he's going to rule. And we are the 12. We are going to be the 12 cabinet ministers. Guys, we're coming in for a big position. And every time they would say this, Jesus, I can't wait until we rule. I'm going to be the minister of, of social security. You understand what I'm saying? Safety and, or safety and security. Social development, safety and security. I'm going to be the minister of agriculture. I'm going to fix up the land issues. You understand what I'm saying? I'm going to do it. And Jesus says, you guys have lost it. Why would I come here all the way from heaven just to create an earthly kingdom? I know it seems so big to you, but I'm looking at it, it's so small. I created all of those galaxies that you see out there. And then I, from my throne room there, I came to live as one of you. Why would I care about who rules on a little earthly kingdom? And we see here in Mark chapter 10, they spent some time in Jericho as Jesus was leaving town, trailed by his disciples and a parade of people. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting alongside the road. When he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, he began to cry out, Son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me. Many tried to hush him up, but he yelled all the later, all the louder, all the later, sorry, all the louder. He yelled all the louder, Son of David, mercy, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped in his tracks. I want you to understand, if you will shout out and cry out for the mercy of Almighty God, he will stop in his tracks for you. He will stop in his tracks. But the people are going to tell you to shut up. Come on, shut up, you stupid conspiracy theorists. Shut up. Stop crying out for Jesus. And then blind Bartimaeus cried out even louder. Jesus, have mercy on me. Shut up. 
Jesus, have mercy on me! In other words, you're not going to let anyone to st uh, that, uh, stop you from getting to the Lord. And then it says, Jesus stopped in his tracks. Call him over. They called him. It's your lucky day. Get up. He's calling you to come. Throwing off his coat. I want you to take notes of it. I'm going to speak about that. Throwing off his coat. He was on his feet at once and came to Jesus. Jesus said, what can I do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. On your way, said Jesus. Your faith has saved you and healed you. In that very instant, he recovered his sight and followed Jesus down the road. I want to ask you as you're sitting here today, do you have faith for now? Ask the person next to you, do you have faith for now? Faith is not for the future, it's for now. Now, in Iran, there's a story about a girl. She was protesting against wearing the hijab. She wasn't wearing it. The police came, they arrested her. They beat her up. They threw her into the police van, and there was a video of this. They threw her into the police van. As she was going in, her head hit the top of the door, going into the police van. And that obviously flung her down. And that was the last view that anyone had of her. And then she died. And it caused a huge amount of unrest and strikes to go in Iran. So now one of the things is that many of the young people there have got a real problem with the Islamic leaders and the clerics and that in Iran. And this video I saw this week is how people are dealing with those leaders. And I want you to think about that because there's many people in the West who are loving this. Down with the, down with the, the Islam in Iran, up with the youth, this and that, the next thing. But I want to I wanna say something to you. You know, when I look at that, it's a lot of young people, and it doesn't matter what the other guys have done. I want you to think about this from a biblical perspective. I understand that the Iranian regime is brutal. They really are brutal. But is this really a godly way to handle things? Is this really the way to handle things if you believe in the power of Jesus the way blind Bartimaeus believed in the power of Jesus? Is this really how God wants us to handle things? Does the Lord want us to overcome evil this way? Does he want us to overcome evil this way? Well, we get the answer. All right, before you give your opinion, we get the answer in Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, overcoming evil with good means that you have vision. You have vision of Jesus. You have vision of the kingdom of God. You have a vision of, of, of heaven that God has given you. You can see it. You can understand it. You, it becomes a reality to you. You act as if it's real. You act as if the kingdom is real. You, you, the, 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 the reality that Jesus is in your life causes you to act in a way that's different from the world around you. If you don't have vision, you're blind. Many, many people, the vast majority of people in the world are spiritually blind. They do not have spiritual eyes. And spiritual, spiritual blindness will cause you to make wrong decisions. The decisions you make in your life are going to be wrong if you're spiritually blind. And we need to understand the source of our problems. Because it's only when we understand the real source of our problems that we can overcome evil with good and that we can win in a world that is seeing evil days. 
Spiritual blindness places people in spiritual darkness so they cannot make decisions. I want to go over again, Mark 10, 51 and 52. Jesus says to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? So when Jesus comes to you and you're calling out for mercy and he says to you, what do you want me to do for you? What are you going to say to him? What are you going to say to him? What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I want you to think about blind Bartimaeus. In those days, if you were blind, you were poor. In those days, it's the same as it is now. When you're poor, people look down on you. You look down on And even though he had heard about the ministry of Jesus, it was only when he was walking by that a light of hope was birthed in his heart. So Bartimaeus had heard about Jesus, but what is Jesus worth unless he walks by? But when he walked by, a light of hope began to come into the darkness of his soul. He must have thought that it was his last opportunity ever to recover his sight, to get his sight. His cry was so intense that it reached the the ears of Jesus, who stopped and called to him. And when Jesus called him, the crowd said to him, Be encouraged, stand up, he's calling for you. I want you to think about those three concepts. The first one is, be encouraged. I want to tell you today that the Lord is calling to you. He's calling to you every single moment. And the first thing is, what the crowd said to Bartimaeus, I'm telling you, be encouraged. We cannot carry out the work of the Lord and do the vision if we lack encouragement. Encouragement is tied to enthusiasm. Because if you're not focused, you will not be encouraged. And the whole point of you being in church, the whole point of us meeting together is encouragement. Jesus is calling you. Jesus wants to lift you out of whatever you're going through. Jesus wants to lift you out of the very pit of hell and place you on that incredible place called heaven. You need the conquering strength of those two things to advance in the calling of God. Encouragement and enthusiasm. Jesus called you to conquer. He didn't call you to be defeated. He didn't call you to fall apart anytime something happens. He calls you and he encourages you to be a conqueror. So they said, be encouraged. And then the second thing they said to him, stand up. When, when Bartimaeus stood up, it required an effort. There was something that he had to do. And he had to decide to stand up and to move to the place where his miracle was. I want you to understand, you have to decide to get up and to move to the place that Jesus is telling you to go to where the miracle is. And I'm talking spiritually now. Getting up means getting up in the morning. All right, for some of you, for many of you, to get up and to go to another place is to get up and to go to another place other than your bed. And then when you're there to actually read the Word and to listen, what is the Lord saying to you? Many times the adverse circumstances of life hit us so harshly that they bring us to our knees. Can we make sure that when the adverse circumstances of our lives bring us to our knees, that at least we're praying, that at least we're speaking to the Lord, that at least we're seeking answers from His Word, that we're letting Him speak to us through His Word, that we're listening to the Holy Spirit?
But today the Holy Spirit strengthens you. And He strengthens you so that you can get up and walk towards your miracle. You cannot walk towards a miracle many times without the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the third thing they said to him, he is calling you. I want to tell you as you're sitting here today that Jesus is calling you. Tell your neighbor, Jesus is calling you. If the Lord does not call you, there's nothing you can do. If the Lord was not calling you, you would have no hope. All right, without the call of the Lord, your life is, is, is but a mist. It's but a vapor. But the glorious news is that God is calling you to serve Him. And my challenge to you today is to answer yes. Answer yes to Him at once. Say yes, Jesus. Say it at once. Yes. Say yes, Jesus. Come on, say yes Jesus. yes, Jesus. Now when Bartimaeus gets up, he took his coat, the coat that he was wearing, and he threw it to the ground. Why is that important? I want to tell you why that is important. Because his coat represented his circumstances. His coat represented his blindness. He needed his coat for people to see that he was blind so that he could get money from them. Because the only way for a blind beggar like Bartimaeus to, to, to get money was to beg for it. And people, because out of the compassion of their heart, to give him money because he's blind, because he cannot do it for himself. So when he gave up that coat, he gave up that which gave him security. And he had to say, Jesus, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you that I'm not going to need this coat in the future to be able to continue. I'm going to trust you. It's as if he said, I no longer need this. If he's, calling, if he's calling me, it's because he'll heal me. He reaches Jesus. And he bowed down and Jesus asked him, What do you want from me? A hugely important question. What do you want from me? And the blind man asked him, Rabbi, I want to see. I want to see. I want to tell you the thing you need to tell Jesus. Jesus, give me vision. Jesus, give me sight. Because if Jesus doesn't give you sight, you got issues. Trust me, you got issues. And even though we know that Bartimaeus had many needs, he focused on the most important one. And the most important need he had was to recover vision. And to have vision is to know what the Lord wants you to do for Him on this earth. And I want to tell you, in terms of knowing what the Lord wants you to do on this earth, it is more important to, for you to know that than for anything else. There's nothing more important for you to know. People that do not know what the Lord wants Him to do on this earth are headed for nowhere. They're headed for an abyss when it comes to purpose. They're headed to a place where they'll get old and ask, what was the point of my life? To have vision means to see God's purpose for your life. God wants you to see His purpose for your life. And this can only be received in the Spirit through faith. And some people only have vision to achieve that which satisfies their own desires for their own lives. I want to challenge you today not to be the kind of person that only has vision for themselves, that only has vision for the things that they want 
for themselves, by themselves, of themselves. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. So many people, as Joyce Meyer says, are like a robot. What about me? 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 You know, they're talking about all these AI robots. Many people are like a robot. What about me? And Jesus gave the example of a man who was very successful in the eyes of the world. You could say maybe that he was the Elon Musk of his time. And this man had become very prosperous. And he wanted to enlarge all of his storehouses. He wanted to make everything bigger. He wanted to take long vacations. He wanted to eat, drink, and be merry. And he laid back and looked at his harvest and he said, Ah, now I've arrived. And Jesus said this about him in Luke chapter 12, verse 17. You fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? You do realize if your whole life is built around you and about what you've got, one day you're going to die and then your, your descendants are going to fight over, over your estate. In order to have vision, you must have a promise or a revelation from God based on His Word. When you have a promise, and I want you to listen to me. Everyone look at me and listen. I want you to listen to me. When you have a promise from God, it's like God has given you a check signed by Himself. And you're authorized to, catch, to cash that, say, that, that check according to His divine purpose for your life. We know that to see things is to possess them in the spiritual and this is the fundamental principle that our adversary knows very well. And so he tries to use what we see to corrupt our lives. Images and visions apply to good things as well as bad things. And therefore, the challenge is this, to be prudent. To know which are the visions that you see, which are the dreams that you're after that are coming from God. Which are the dreams that are coming from somewhere else. And I want to tell you, you know what the biggest lie in our world today is? Ah, you should do it. It's such an opportunity. Some of your opportunities come from the devil. Sometimes people get an opportunity for a new job and it's from the devil. It's such an opportunity. Well, do you say that to the man? Maybe he's my age. He's my age. And then some 20-something-year-old bombshell comes along to the, to the guy who's my age. Oh, I'll give myself to you. And the, and the guy says, it's such an opportunity. And he dumps his wife and he goes for her. Is that an opportunity from heaven? That is an opportunity right from hell. And here's the thing. The curse of the enemy is real. The curse of the enemy is real. And um, I want you to think about the camera that's giving us music and it's serenading us. 
I want you to think about the curse. I want you to think about finances. I want you to think about people. For most people, life is like, if you've ever seen, you know, those little rodents, they look like mice, but they're called hamsters. And you put them in a cage, and in the cage you've got this wheel. And the hamster runs on this wheel. And he runs and he he expends a huge amount of energy. And he gets nowhere. For many people, that's exactly what life is like. And I'm asking you today, is that you? You know, when, when people are lazy and poor, it's easy for us to understand. But you know, many people work incredibly hard. They work incredibly hard for their whole lives. And the harder they work, the less they have. It's like when they get money, it's like their pockets have holes and all the money goes out. And the question is, why is that so? Why is that so? Because of the curse. The world is under a curse. And the curse comes from the seed of man's disobedience, which produces a thorn bush where we're harvesting. And all we have to harvest is thorns. But the blood of Jesus, which we shed from his head, which uh, many of you know, we call it the blood of conquest, has the power to break every curse on the earth. I want to say that to you today. What curse are you under? Maybe it's a curse for those of you at school or university. It's a curse in terms of your marks. You just cannot make headway. When Adam sinned, he created a, a seed of disobedience, which caused the curse of lack. The reason why we have lack, the reason people starve, the reason for all of these wars and things is because of the curse. But the blood of Jesus shed from his head because of the crown of thorns. Think about your mind. Your mind is, I think. I think. I think. I think. I think. I think is a lie to you. Your emotions. I feel. Why are you doing that? I just feel it's the right thing to do. I just feel it. You can sing that song. I feel good. Doesn't mean you're good. You could be singing, I feel good, and you're very bad. Amen? You could be doing the worst thing. And I want. I want. I want. I want to do this. I want to do that. And this is what Adam was reduced to when his spirit died. I think, I feel, I want. Because the day that Adam sinned, his spirit died. But the Bible says that Jesus was the last Adam. And Jesus came and he died on the cross for you so that your spirit can come back to life. The Bible says that Jesus was a life-giving spirit. And next week we'll look at why he was able to obtain this. But I want to ask you today, what are you not conquering in your life? Could be in the area of your finances. Could be in the area of your studies. Could be in the area of being able to do the job you've been paid to do. Maybe you can't do it. Maybe you're not conquering in terms of in your family. And I'm not talking about conquering the people. I'm talking about conquering the purposes of God in your family. Maybe you're not conquering some other bad habit. 
some other addiction some other thing that just comes over you all the time and then there's a thing that angers Buckham where he says because maybe now you're beating yourself he says good people don't go to heaven believers do Jesus also said there's no one good no one is good without the blood of Jesus no one is good but I want you to close your eyes right now I want you to see them they're taking that crown of thorns they're piercing it into Jesus head and the blood is flowing down from his head and the aim of the blood is to reduce the curse when Adam said sinned, God said to him in Genesis chapter 3 the ground is cursed because of you God said to him from this day forward by the sweat of your brow you will work until the day that you die and all the earth will produce for your thorns and thistles in your life is that all you're experiencing is the thorns and the thistles I want you to picture Jesus in front of you today I want you to put your faith in him instead of in yourself I want you to start realizing it's better to put your faith in him than in yourself because yourself you're easy to deceive and I want you to believe today for areas that you cannot overcome believe God right now areas that you need to conquer in your family in your finances maybe you want to conquer politically maybe you want to conquer in business maybe you want to conquer in ministry we apply this when we never seem to have enough despite all of our hard work and our effort there's something else I want you to realize it can work in business and also in ministry and also in our family sometimes we don't conquer because there's a spirit over that area that stops people from conquering I mean the only explanation for why we've got so much poverty in in a nation that has got so much wealth in the soil with all the minerals we've got there's a spirit and the people are deceived if the people of this nation knew what they had this country would be super rich super super rich and we aren't because the people are deceived now we can apply the blood of conquest over those spirits and so I want you to picture what is there that you want to conquer today see it right now any new setting you want to conquer maybe it's buying land maybe it's in your marriage relationship maybe it's to get married maybe it's with your parents or your children maybe it's maybe you've got a desire to gain political influence maybe you want to extend ministry maybe you're trying to open a business and you know you know because you've got verses from the Bible I know these are good things but something's holding you back I want you to see that now
And I'm going to go into it more next week, but there's a prayer that we teach based on Psalm 112. And I want you to raise your hands now and I want you to pray this prayer. I want us to believe for conquest today. Amen. I want us to believe we're going to conquer. Let's believe for it. And I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Say, Father, I apply the blood that was shed from Jesus' head because of the crown of thorns. And I declare that this blood removes every curse that has touched my finances and the lamb beneath my feet. And I declare that because of the blood of Jesus, my image is completely restored. My descendants are permanently protected. My children will be greatly blessed. Your face will shine upon them. They will be full of compassion. And you will use them to bless others. And Lord, thank you. Because you keep us from fear. Because we have the anointing of conquest. Thank you. Because you honor us in every area of our lives. And I know that the enemy is destroyed and put to shame through my testimony. All this through the power of your blood, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
Much more, yeah, yeah. I need it so much more. 